0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host Lale Arakoglu. Hello. This week, we are talking about something that Lale and I once again have no authority on whatsoever, which is Miami. The reason why we're doing this episode—Catherine's rolling her eyes at us right now. The reason why we're doing this episode is because we have a Women Who Travel meetup coming up on December 8th, smack in the middle of Art Basel, at the East Miami Hotel. Uh, you can sign up or RSVP on Facebook, and then we'll also leave a link in the show notes as well. Uh, you can see Catherine Legrave, who's joining us on the podcast today. In the flesh. And a uh, real privilege. <laughs> <laughs> she
1: doesn't sign come out. Sign up now, everyone. She doesn't get out much.
0: And Megan Sproul, who moderates the Facebook group, they will be there. So, we'll leave you guys the link if you are in Miami listening to this or want to travel to Miami and visit us. Uh, we'd love to chat. But we're also joined today, other than Catherine, who is in the flesh for us and will be for you as well at the meetup with one of our freelancers, Sarah Liss, who is calling from inside her car in Miami. Hello. Um, we are so grateful for you to take the time out of your day to chat Miami with us. And Lolly and I really, truly have no authority on this. My mom lived in Miami for a couple of years. I lived for a couple years in Tampa, have never been dying to go. I think we've just been joking this whole time about playing the Will
2: Smith Miami song. That's the intro to this episode. That's pretty much all I know about Miami. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of similar to when... We did the road trip episode, and I had to reveal that I couldn't drive. <laughs> I literally have nothing to give. Like so I was Lala,
1: like the authority on road trips.
2: <laughs> <laughs> never had a driver's license.
1: <laughs> but I think the first
0: question I have as someone who has never been to Miami is, can you both just explain the geography of Miami? Because I think of it as just like...
3: One, one big beach right one big beach destination yeah that's what everyone usually thinks of they think of south beach uh, which is just even a small portion of miami miami beach but yeah miami's made up of the beach which is basically a barrier island and it's connected via several causeways and bridges to miami proper which we sometimes call the mainland and there are tons of things happening now on Miami proper that are drawing tourists and visitors there. So it used to be that everyone came to Miami and they still do just want to stay on the beach and particularly South Beach. But now a lot of things are kind of spreading north to, you know, Miami Beach and Surfside and Bell Harbor. And then things are going over the causeway to downtown Wynwood Design District. And there's lots of exciting things happening all over.
1: Yeah, and one of the things you mentioned early on, Mayor, was about the meetup, which is at East Miami, which is is what Sarah's talking about. It's not actually on the beach, right? It's in-
3: Downtown, yeah, Right, in Brickell,
1: right. So for people that are really looking for sort of an up-and-coming area, if you're coming to the meetup, you'll really see sort of some of the growth that downtown Miami has been having.
3: Yeah, so we're really proud of our new urban, yeah, renaissance, I guess we could call it, Brickell's really blossomed in the last five years or so. And so East is a great example of that. It's this really sophisticated cosmopolitan hotel attached to Brickell city center, which is a luxury shopping mall, but there's a lot going on there besides just shopping. I mean, there's food halls and there's restaurants and East itself has um, amazing dining outlets. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's tons of things happening off of the beach. And so people will get to know that when they come down.
0: Are there other hotels on what you're calling the mainland that are like hot spots other than
3: East? Um, so, East has really taken the lead when it comes to kind of getting a drink. They have an amazing 40th floor rooftop bar called Sugar.
0: Sugar's actually where the meetup is. Uh, so, everyone is just getting, you're like plugging real hard there, Sarah. That's yeah, perfect.
3: <laughs> that's where it'll be. So, um, you know, they've really taken the lead on that. Um, but there are still really cool hotels down there. The SLS actually has two properties down on Brickell. They have an SLS Brickell and they have an SLS Lux. So they're just also expanding off the beach and creating their own nightlife heavy um, hotels with great dining outlets. So at SLS Brickell, there's a restaurant by Jose Andreas called Bazaar Mar. And there's a restaurant by Michael Schwartz called Philia. And those are both excellent. So those are both really hot places to try. And then there's the Conrad, which is also still down there, um, an epic hotel, which is a Kimpton hotel, and um, a Daniel Belude restaurant that's in a um, JW Marriott Marquis actually. So there's lots of exciting stuff down there.
0: I think when I think of hotels that are iconic to Miami, especially in today's age of Instagram, like the Faena is like the mm-hmm. hotel that I think of, just because the decor is so incredible. They have that like, delusional, Yeah. Yeah. Where is that in relation, again, like these geography questions, where is that in relation to all of these other kind of like hotspot neighborhoods?
3: So it's one of those, um, it's what I was talking about, the trend of things kind of moving north from South Beach. So it used to be that everything was sort of centered around Collins Avenue and like 17th, 18th Street with the Raleigh and the Delano. But with the opening of Faina, things have shifted a bit north. So Faena is actually um, in the 30s and Collins Avenue. Um, so if you go a bit north of that and then right around there, another really interesting property just opened up called the Generator, which is a hostel, but- it's a european brand and they're kind of they're they're considered a hostel but they're really a really cool boutique hotel and they're open up actually right across the street from Faina.
1: And I think that's a really good option for people that are wanting to stay on Miami Beach but not wanting to necessarily spend a lot of money as well as like the Freehand which we also have on our right. list, right?
3: Yeah. So the generator is really kind of really modeled I think or it's it takes a lot from the Freehand it borrows a lot from that cool kind of nomadic traveler vibe with a really great cocktail bar. They actually hired one of the head um, mixologists from the Freehand to head up their F&B. So um, they got some talent there and the restaurant there is called the Gym and Nisi. Um, and it's kind of modeled on this older couple that have like a really fun apartment where they host dinner parties. And so the restaurant's just really laid back and comfortable. So it's a great place to grab a drink and just to, to meet other cool travelers.
2: And so the Freehand is home to the Broken Shaker, right? Yes, or, yeah,
3: which, which is one of our top bars. I mean, <laughs> exactly. It's it's basically ground zero for you know anyone coming to town. You should start your Miami experience there and probably end it there, and it would be a good, <laughs> it'd probably be a good sandwich there.
2: What makes it such an authentic Miami experience? What should like a first timer to Miami expect if they're going to stop by that bar?
3: So it kind of has this very bungalow kind of atmosphere. It's got this outdoor courtyard with um, really funky furniture and the mixologists there are all really talented and it's just really comfortable. They're always hosting really eclectic parties and events and it's one of those places where locals go just as much as, as visitors do. So you're always bound to run into people. I mean, I have gone there um, on random nights and just seen people that I've, I know from New York that happen to be in town. And so, you know, it's just things like, you'll just, you'll just always find a friendly face and, and interesting people there. And they, and they really do take their programming seriously. I mean, for Art Basel, they're hosting like a very hush hush Prada, um, like last year Prada did a, a nightclub pop-up, um, in a, in a secret location. And so this year they're doing some kind of activation at the freehand. So They're definitely on the radar.
1: It kind of feels like you go to a neighbor's backyard, like with all the what Sarah's talking about, with like the mismatched furniture and like the lights and lots of greenery. I mean, if you had a really nice backyard.
0: Right. Um, (laughs) If you didn't live in New York and had a backyard.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
3: Like kind of like that Golden Girls kind of, you know, grandma backyard vibe. Um, But your grandma who makes a really mean martini and, you know. Grandma
0: chic. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to sound probably pretty dumb but when I was looking at our like best things to do list and our you know the guides that you did Sarah for the design district and for Wynwood you know there's so many like walking tours and botanical gardens to walk through and like places that are near each other to walk between I have never thought of Miami as like a really great walking city am I wrong right
3: it's changed a lot yeah that's that's a really good point Um, I mean we're still very car heavy and public transportation is still not good, but Uber and Lyft are great and, you know, they'll get you where you need to go. Um, and so, yeah, in Wynwood, it's all about pounding the pavement. I mean, you'll you'll just, you could walk for a couple hours just checking out all the different boutiques and galleries and murals and, and making sure you take all your Instagram shots of yourself in front of all the artwork. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah,
1: that's, that's the cool thing about Winwood and why it's such a great neighborhood for just going in the morning and it's so completely walkable you know you can do two breakfasts you can go Zach the Baker and you can go the Salty Donut if you want because they're so close to each other stuff like
3: that right yeah I think you should plot your day according to all your different meals <laughs> for sure and um, and then you could head over to 1-800-LUCKY which is an Asian food hall that opened um, in Winwood, and um, they've got some excellent stalls there doing everything from banh mi to poke bowls and Um, green tea ice cream and that kind of stuff. And then um, just continue walking and shopping. And we've got brands like Warby Parker and Lilabo and all kinds of fun stuff to to look at.
1: And if you like beer, it's a cool area to go. You got three breweries that are close to each other within walking distance, right? Winwood, which is what everyone thinks of immediately, Jay Wakefield, and Concrete Beach.
3: Concrete, and there's Vesa Soar. Okay. so, yeah, the brew, I mean, the whole craft beer movement has also had a huge development down here. Um, and those places are really comfortable, too, to just kind of hang out for a bit and then move on to the next thing. So, um, and then we have just um, excellent restaurants, like real, you know, actual fine dining and standalone restaurants that are there. So yeah, and then another great area to walk around in is Design District, which is a bit north of Wynwood, um, but it's definitely a really worlds away in terms of atmosphere. It's much more polished, much more glossy. It's sort of a luxury shopping destination, but they have a new um, Institute of Contemporary Art, which is a museum that they developed there. And then there's just tons of um, outdoor sculptures and art and, of course, all the fancy um, shopping and dining that they have there, too.
0: I have a question for Catherine, because you, when you go to Miami, it's usually to go visit your husband's family. Mm-hmm. And you do a lot of eating. OK. Where would you go for great Cuban food in Miami? OK, we switched to be but uh, I, I will it's, answer I think it's about mostly great- just because I'm like very, <laughs> very interested. This is <laughs> the exact question
1: I wanted to ask. Well, I was going to talk about two of my, I thought you were going to ask about favorite restaurants, too. And I was like, perfect. We're in the design district. Let's talk about. I'll talk about two, and Sarah, you can jump in, and then we can go to Cuban. Um, I love Michael's, which is on our list. It's like a place I go to every time I'm in Miami. Michael's Genuine, sit in the courtyard if you can. This is like a rotating menu. This is not for Cuban people. What sort of food is it? Um, farm to table, like American Is it spelled mix. Mi- Michael's Genuine like yes. Genuine? Yes, did, did my accent, no, 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 no. <laughs> genuine, but did I pronounce it in a terrible way? No, you said Genuine, and then Michael's I just think genuine. of funny. <laughs> Listening to a lot of R and B guys. No, Michael's genuine. Okay, you don't go walk in and be like, "I'd like to order the pony." (laughs) Oh, Lale.
0: (laughs) Okay, but what kind of food is it?
1: Um, So, like I said, farm to table. It really varies, like depending on what they have, sort of in season and on hand. Like, for example, I'm still thinking of this pork belly dish I got with like kimchi and crushed peanuts. So that's something you can get, as well as just really great salads. Their brunch is kind of epic
3: yeah, it's just all about like good ingredients and um farm to table, simple, delicious, um always good cocktails. and it's it's really an institution. So yeah, michael's that that was, you know, he he planted his flag there in the design district before there was anything else around there. And now every the whole neighborhood has really sprouted up around him, um which has been great. So, and he's got other restaurants and now he's got a thriving empire, actually. Did you have another one?
1: Yes. Mandolin. Okay. I love it. I oh, always yeah. try and go okay. there too. So this is like, I lived in Greece for two years and this reminds me of that, like a little totally. Greek beachside shack. Um, the the own, husband and wife owner, and that was their goal to kind of make it like a place you see along the Aegean, right? Um, so you go in, the whitewash walls, blue doors. Again, they have like an amazing patio and just really good Greek and Turkish food. I love going there because the husband is Turkish and the wife is Greek. So it's it's right.
3: And they're, they're just lovely people. They have amazing sense of hospitality. They have just beautiful, just beautiful taste and everything. And actually the wife, um, Anastasia has opened up her own lifestyle boutique right next to the restaurant called Mrs. Mandolin because oh, okay. um, everyone she's referred to as Mrs. Mandolin um, <laughs> it's really worth checking out because she's got she's got such a great eye so she's got all kinds of really beautiful um, fashion finds and also housewares that she's called from all of her travels to Greece and the Aegean um, and it's also got a little cafe with coffee and sandwiches and it's just like walking into a little cottage and all kinds of fantastic things inside so highly recommend that yeah those I love those too,
1: Catherine Mm. Cuban food. Cuban food. Sorry. Yes. (laughs) So a little background. (laughs) All right. I'm going to like I'm going to just make this even
2: more convoluted. But before you get on the Cuban food, can you explain to me a little bit about Cuban culture in Miami? Does it exist in one neighborhood like a little Cuba or is it throughout the city? Do you feel it everywhere?
3: Um, There's definitely Little Havana. And that has the more, if you're thinking about kind of the, the feeling of walking around and um, having that authentic feeling, it would probably be there. I mean, there's there's a park there where, where guys play dominoes, older gentlemen, you know, sit around playing dominoes in the park. And um, they have a lot of those um, Cuban coffee counters called, uh, I'm not, I don't speak Spanish, but they're called like ventanitas. You can get, you know, typical Cuban coffee and croquetas and and all those guava pastries and that kind of thing. So um, Calle Ocho, that's the main drag, um, which is 8th Street and that's in Little Havana. That's where you want to go. It's actually also becoming like kind of a hipster destination now, too, because a lot of really cool businesses and restaurateurs are moving in there because the rent is so reasonable. And so they've started opening up like there's a cool oyster bar there now and there's like a thai place but you know it's it's still got that authentic cuban flavor and um, a lot of those businesses and those those people have been been there for decades um, so you'll definitely get that feeling there
1: all right Catherine, now talk about your food yeah no i i agree <laughs> i agree with that um segue um because my in-laws are cuban so to me it feels cuban everywhere <laughs> Bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's as bad as my yeah. one. <laughs> that was pretty bad. Um, so one of the classic places to go is in Little Havana, um, Versailles, right? So it has the walk-up counter that Sarah's talking about. And I love to go there no matter, like, how... P- Meredith? Yep. <laughs> we never let you talk at about <laughs> the food. Yeah, seriously. No.
0: The reason why I want to interrupt is because if you have not seen photos of Versailles, you're talking about, it like, with a walk-up counter making it sound like it's, like, this, like stand it's not it's like designed to look like the Versailles hall of mirrors oh my god and so it it is like the most incredible like you would never
1: imagine oh I'm going to go sit down and eat Cuban food in this restaurant that is so extra (laughs) (laughs) anyway yes so I love to go there um that's like my spot for Cuban sandwiches and coffees and croquettes. Mm -hmm. Um, I also love to go to La Careta, which is owned by the same family, actually. They sort of have like a monopoly um, on Cuban food in the very best way, and they have several locations. But that's best for like the more sit-down meals, in my opinion, the heartier fare. There's another place that's a little fancier that I like by the airport um, that my husband's family and I always go to or try and go to um, if we're getting dropped off, which is called La Rosa. Um, it's again, the same for Cuban classics, like just really good stewed meats, rice, beans, plantains, all the good stuff. Like the way my husband talks about Cuban food, you would think that there are no Cubans in New York and we can't get any good Cuban food, but it's like the first thing we do in Miami, obviously. So does he think that the Cuban food in Miami is just
2: on a different plane yeah, from New York? Yeah, but he could food? just be whining, um, <laughs>
1: but like, again, when we land, that's like the the first thing we do is we go pick up food from one of those places and take it home because you can get so much for not not a lot.
2: So actually that's is Miami an expensive city to spend a weekend in?
1: I think it depends on like where you stay. It can be very expensive and I know that it has that stereotype, right, of being super flashy and super expensive, and it is all of those things in certain pockets, but a lot of big cities are. Like we've talked about, it has a lot of more affordable options, like we've just talked about the new hostels, and there are some hotels, depending on, you know, if you're on the beach, the farther north you go, um, the more affordable things will become, and also exploring these sort of burgeoning districts that we're talking about. So I think there are ways to do it. On the cheap, certainly, like especially with the, the number of flights that there are, like if you look at prices, especially from the east coast, you can get like during the off season and even during high season, you can get a flight in the two hundreds. I've been able to, so to me, it's cheap to get there. And once you're there, there are a lot of Airbnbs. Like we're looking at this partly out of curiosity, just ahead of the meetup, and we are able to find a lot that are still available that to me are like pretty reasonable in price. And
2: this is very sort of boring logistics but is it the sort of place where Meredith you were saying how you're like surprised by actually people were saying that you can walk around it's quite walkable do you need to rent a car do you need to rent some ridiculous like Miami car <laughs>
1: <laughs> it would be if up. you're
3: gonna play the Will Smith song yeah, yeah. yeah. okay all right <laughs> the convertible I won't be sure. driving it
1: so. <laughs> I mean traffic in in Miami like can be pretty terrible, right? Um, I wouldn't rent a car. Yeah,
3: but you don't have to rent a car. I think you just need to be strategic about what you want to do. So, you know, if you're going to stay, if you're staying on South Beach, but you do want to explore those other neighborhoods, then, you know, just kind of decide that you're going to go there for the the majority of the day and you'll walk around, whether it's Calle Ocho or Wynwood or Brickell or Design District, and then, you know, just kind of stick to it and be there for a good chunk of your day and then decide, you know, then you'll, you'll hit another spot, but you know, you're not going to be zigzagging around the city. If you don't have a car, unless you're just going to be paying tons of of Uber rides. Um, but there's no, there isn't like a need, I think to have a car anymore. And especially if you're going to stay on South beach and you don't feel like venturing over to the causeway, there's, there's actually great, um, little trolley trolley buses that'll take you up and down Collins Ave and and all around South Beach so um, and and we also have like city bikes now and all that stuff and a lot of hotels have their own bikes Um, so you know I see a lot of people zipping around on bikes now which is great
0: I have I know that when by the time this goes up it'll be December but I'm curious Sarah how much time you as like a Miami native spend at the beach with your kids
3: well just to clarify not a native just to clarify i'm not a native but i've been here like for like 12 years and i i grew up in the northeast so i'm like so happy to leave the winters behind but um we actually yeah i live in surfside which is a really cute um neighborhood right by bell harbor and we're kind of getting into the we're, we're getting a little bit of the spotlight now because we have a new four season surf club which is like super fancy and beautiful so some people are finding out about our little secret surfside neighborhood but we actually go to the beach pretty often. I mean, we try to go every every week maybe um, during the warm warmer season, like during summer and pretty much like eight months of the year. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely – that's one of the things that's free that's great about Miami. I mean, you can just – you can go to the beach. You can have a picnic. You can do happy hour on the beach. You can, you know, play – you can play sports and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean – If you don't want to do expensive things in Miami, I was going to add on to that. Like there's tons of cultural things that are free or cheap that if you just plan in advance or just kind of check all the different, um, you know, calendars that you'd be able to kind of take advantage of. Like there's the New World Symphony does these free um, what they call soundscape concerts, which is it's an orchestra concert that's happening inside the concert hall. But on the outdoor of the building, they have a giant projection of it. And so, you know, this is in South Beach, and this draws hundreds of people, and it's um, there's a regular schedule of it. It's a Saturday night event, and so if you just, you know, kind of plan ahead, you could catch, you know, an orchestra performance for free, um, and then, you know, the Bass Museum has some free events throughout the month, and the, the PAM does, and so it's, there's a lot going on that doesn't require, you know, a lot of uh, a big budget.
1: What? So this is good, right? Like, you guys have never been to Miami. What? Other like I don't mean to turn this around on you, but what other questions for our upcoming do you have? trip to Miami? Well, sort of, uh, right? I mean,
2: like, I well, okay. So one thing I've always I love the idea of going to Miami, but then when I'm actually choosing where I'm going to travel, like if I'm doing a trip throughout the U.S., I never end up booking a trip in Miami because I'm never sure if it's for me because I have this like very. I think misinformed picture in my head about like what Miami is mm-hmm. and like who Miami is for
1: in terms of travelers. What do people get wrong about it? I mean, I think it's kind of what we talked about earlier where Meredith hinted at in her question about it being flashy and out of touch and out of reach and again there are certain parts of it that probably will feel that way if you're in like the flashier parts of of South Beach on Ocean Drive. But I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions is that there aren't these small pockets of affordable things to do and lots of great restaurants and the arts and culture that really make the city vibrant. It sounds
2: like it has a lot more authenticity than maybe people, some people, me, <laughs> once thought it did.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think the interesting thing about Miami is, well, on that interesting, but the the cool thing is it's a city that's largely um, made up of immigrants, right? So mm-hmm. that makes it have a really diverse restaurant scene, a really diverse cultural scene um, that you actually don't find in a lot of cities in the U.S. And you might not be able to answer this. Maybe,
2: Sarah, will be a little bit more clearer on this because you're actually living there. Um, but you mentioned how Little Havana is starting to get, like, kind of somewhat hipstified. Is that being welcomed?
3: Um, I think that Miami is such a non-judgmental place, actually. That's why Miami is also just such a great place for people who are creative and just want to kind of do their own thing. Like it attracts lots of entrepreneurs and just self starters and and all kinds of, um, you know, unique, creative people. I think it's just it's not a place where like, you know, there's a lot of judgment when it comes to things. So, you know, even when it comes to dress and things like that, I mean, it's just such an open and laid back culture, you know, so it's like people are just really open to all kinds of cultural differences and also just any changes and, and you know, every, and there's a lot of cheerleading that happens here. I don't think, you know, in other, like I feel like in the Northeast there might be a little more kind of like tisk, but down here it's it's definitely like, oh cool, good for you, good for you, you know, so I think it's all, it's all kind of being welcomed and everyone's just always looking for um, places where you can have something that's not expensive, actually. So the fact that there are places opening on Calle Ocho that are reasonable, and, um, you know, kind of catering to more of like the locals and, and places where people don't have to trek all the way to South Beach to feel like they want to, you know, go out for a date or have a, a cool cocktail. then I think that is everyone's welcoming that. So and I think
1: that's Like, great that you brought that up because when I tell people, I think this goes back to the misconception or at least a perception of me. When I tell people I love Miami, at least at work, like I'm sort of buttoned up and whatever, and people are always surprised by that. But it's what you talked about, Sarah. It's like very unpretentious in most parts, and people are just really welcome and really friendly and really just doing their own thing. And that's something that I admire um, that feels to me different in many ways from New York. So it's such a refreshing. Refreshing place for me to go in that sense. So that's part of the reason I love Miami. And if
2: someone's coming from somewhere that isn't New York, are they going to enjoy those same things?
1: Well, of course. Yeah. People are like so, in, in my opinion, um, people are friendly and there's a real freedom to just be who you are and, and do what you want. Is there any other, like, you know, singular place if you
0: were going to say, it's your first time, you have to go here, what would mm. you say?
1: Can it be Mm. like a restaurant or hotel? It It can be
3: absolutely anything. Well, I will just say that there's this new place called Upper Buena Vista that's opened on the mainland side, a bit north of Mandolin, actually. And it is a really cute, funky collective of shops and restaurants kind of centered around these gorgeous trees, like huge banyan trees, I think they are. And... You walk in there and you have just immediately this kind of feeling like it has a very kind of, I want to say, global feel to it. Um, Like some place you might have stumbled on in maybe Tulum or, you know, a place where there's just, you know, a, a very kind of creative vibe going on. And so, you know, that was put together again by by a couple, and and they're they just decided they wanted to create this this thing in Miami. And um, I think everyone who goes there is really into it. Um, it's just it's a great place to hang out. They also have like uh, like a cryotherapy place there, and then there's like boutiques and there's restaurants, and so it's sort of just it's kind of this interesting, you know, kind of collective of um, businesses. But it's very pretty, so it's definitely worth. Um, you know, a little stopover to either get a drink or just peruse the shops. So um, that's my new recommendation, Upper Buena Vista.
1: Mine, for the ones we haven't talked about, I'll give you a restaurant and then a destination. Um, for a restaurant, I love, like, this is a very Miami place, I think. Um, I love Garcia's, talking about unpretentious for seafood, half mm-hmm. sort of restaurant, half fish market. Um, so it's right by the Miami River. You go, pull up a little seat, and order. Uh, I get the mahi-mahi sandwich, in case you want to know. But that's a place that I love, and that's like a very, when we talk about not shiny, not glitzy Miami in a way, um, that's a place that I think of that I really love, um, that's that's popular. Um, and then another place that I just like to go to and walk around is the ancient Spanish monastery, um, which started its life in Spain as these cloisters, and then someone Uh, very wealthy, saw them and had each piece taken apart. So had it dismantled and sent to Miami where it was rebuilt. And it's just, it's beautiful. Like you want to be outside, you want to be walking around. This is a place to go to. It's, it's one of my favorite places in Miami and it is on our best things to do list. And so one place that
2: I always see on my Instagram, um, whenever someone I know goes to Miami is, uh, Joe stone crab. Oh yeah. Is it well, sure. is it is it actually like as hot as uh, the internet tells me
1: it is? I think I, it's. Let's say it at the same time, say? Sarah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I, you can go ahead. I was just going to say that the local secret is just to go to the Joe's takeaway, um, which is a, a like a, just a one door down from the actual restaurant, and you can get the same stone crabs that they sell at the restaurant, and their famous fried chicken, which I think is something like. Less than $10 for the fried chicken. The stone crabs are going to cost you way more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, get a bunch of different sides and salads. Get, you know, get a bottle of wine, because I think they sell wine in the, in the takeaway, and walk the two blocks to South Point Park, which is just right there um, in South of Fifth, which is the Miami Beach, south of Mi- the, like, southern tip of Miami Beach, and have a picnic in the park, and you have your stone crabs, and you can enjoy the bounty of the sea right there. Um and then you'll see the cruise ships going off. That's where you can you know see a lot of boats and cruise ships leaving the port of Miami, which is right across from there. Um, because actual sitting at Joe's is actually very <laughs> pricey. <laughs> so and, and it's hard to get a table. So
1: yeah, it's a long wait. I was going to say that it's worth it. Um, so that's a great tip, right? Don't forget the key lime pie. Um. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: I think that's a perfect place to end. And I will put one plug. I was talking to another one of our Miami writers, Jen Wood, before getting ready for this because I am such a noob and don't know anything about Miami until now. Um, And she said that her absolute favorite thing to do was to go to Sweet Liberties, which has gotten a ton of awards. as one of the best bars in Miami for happy hour and ordering the cauliflower nachos. So take Ooh. my, AKA Jen's word for it, and go do
2: that <laughs> as well. Okay, great. Well, Catherine, we'll see some of you at the Miami meetup, which is, Meredith kindly remind me, December 8th. It Should be lots of fun with apparently rooftop views. So that sounds exciting. Very sad that I will be here in cold New York. And we have a ton more meetups lined up for 2019, so keep an eye on CN Traveler's Instagram account in the Facebook group. Keep listening to the podcast, we'll be announcing more locations and more dates for the coming year. How is it already 2019? (laughs) Absolutely terrifying. And Catherine, where can people find you on
1: the interweb? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at KJlegrave. (laughs) KJ, L A G R A V E. KJ,
0: And
2: Meredith, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at oh hey There Mayor. And Sarah, what about you? Where can people find you and see your wonderful life in Miami?
3: On Instagram and Twitter. It's the same thing S
2: And you can catch me on Instagram at Lalehanna. Have a good week.